BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Helena from Spider Rocket. You are listening to Happy Metal. Hello everyone, this is Billy Sheehan, your faithful bass player. You're listening to me right here on Talking Metal. New York City, Saturday night, Talking Metal, episode 261, a Talking Metal Toast. How are you, John? I'm doing pretty good, man. This is the first night I have woken up after a full night's sleep. I have actually not slept, and I am not kidding. With the exception of a two- to three-hour nap each day at random times during the day, I have been up for about five or six days straight. John is working hard doing a gig, a freelance gig right at USA Network, sister station to the sci-fi channel where I work. How's that going, John? The gig is going great, and uh, let me tell you guys, excluding Talking Metal, I am doing three official jobs. I am working for MTV Networks. Man, hey, we have a talking metal person. Last time I saw, I heard, I saw the episode last time, and there was a guy, you would think he was two-ball over 119, but it's great. Oh, yeah. What's up? Listen to the podcast yeah, or the TV yeah, yeah. show? No, it was a podcast. Oh, was cool. Yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, that was Xavier. Xavier, yeah, Xavier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby. Hey, Bobby? Yeah, nice to meet you. Hey, Bobby. Working tonight, so Oh, okay, cool. Excellent. Cool. Just a uh, random Talking Metal uh, fan, I guess, uh, approaching us here at the bar. Guys, by the way, we are right next to Irving Plaza, I guess now called the Fillmore, awaiting Mastodon, who is taking the stage in a, exactly an hour, less than an hour. We are so psyched to see Mastodon. Everybody who works with Mastodon, from management to label, all the guys are great. Nick, Tom, everybody, very, very cool people, and uh, they have hooked us up to check out this concert, and uh, we are just so excited to see Mastodon. So anyway, let me tell you, before we get into the podcast, I just want to explain what's going on. I'm working in the day for MTV Networks, then I am going over to 30 Rock, you know, where the TV show is about, where Mark works, working on a major presentation for the USA Network, then I go home and do Gibson stuff. So it's been really, really cool, and uh, the biggest coincidence that has totally happened is that because I'm new over there, they didn't really have a, a seat for me, and I'm kind of sitting in some random places, and out of the entire 30 Rockefeller Plaza, you know, it's 60-some story building where they do the news and NBC Nightly News and Saturday Night Live and all that kind of stuff, they put me in an office for one day with Mark. 
Is that not crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. Although, I actually know the the people you're working with, and uh, you know, uh, we do Sci-Fi does share a floor with USA Networks, so I share an office with somebody, and she was in a in an edit that day, editing some uh, stuff for Eureka. So uh, yeah, it, it is pretty crazy, but in a, in our small world, it kind of makes sense. And I want to thank you, Mark, for being responsible for hooking me up with this amazing gig, man. I'm, guys, guess what I'm doing? Graphic design. Very, very cool. Yeah, well, you're the man. They were looking for somebody who knew that shit, and I uh, immediately threw your name out. And uh, they hired you on for the gig. So welcome to the crazy NBC world of 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Crazy place. Guys, if you ever come to New York, it's a great place to see. To me, it's one of the the coolest landmarks of New York. Plus, there's just a bunch of great restaurants in the kind of lower level. And uh, we've uh, you know hung out there a lot. It was actually probably the first building, first place I went when I came to New York with my parents when I was like maybe 15 years old or something like that. Well, I've had various jobs there through the years and seen a lot of great music on, on Saturday Night Live, actually. I, one of my favorite moments was when uh, about, oh, probably about 10 years ago at this point, ACDC was the musical guest on uh, SNL and I went down and hung out with them as they were rehearsing. It was about me and like 10 other people watching them. Uh, a great building to work on, as is 1515, where I've done a lot of work with, with VH1 and stuff, too. By the way, I've been uh, doing some guitar stuff with a couple of the people that work for Saturday Night Live. And, and as a uh, you know, thank you, uh, they've invited me to uh, come and check something out over there. But I, I think the show is maybe out, done for the season, or they have a couple more, or what's going on with the show? There's one happening tonight. I know that. I, I don't know how many more, though. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Speaking of TV, YouTube.com slash Talking Metal is alive. YouTube.com slash Talking Metal. A great interview with Exodus that John conducted, which we do not see John's face at all. The camera is positioned where you just kind of get a little profile. John is laughing. Guys, if you didn't know this, uh, I am now uh, telling you John was in a skateboarding accident. Not only is he working nine jobs at once, he is skateboarding around Manhattan and and it uh, sounds like he's not skateboarding very well. No, despite the fact that I, I have to cancel my skate park appointment for tomorrow and postpone it to next week due to the USA gig, which I love, by the way. Anyway, guys, I smashed my face open so badly that uh, I may have permanent scars. I fell down trying to do this jump off of... It was like maybe three or four steps, but it was on concrete. And you maybe. You know, shouldn't do them with, like, my blue glasses because guess what happened? The blue glasses broke and the glass was all in my face. And and uh, during the Exodus interview, I had, like, Band-Aids on my face. And it was, like, a scandal, man. It was crazy. Which reminds me of the, the old pictures around the Hotter Than Hell recording session when Ace had a bunch of cuts on his face and they had to photograph him from the side. And he only had makeup on half his face. Or the uh, scenes in Empire Strikes Back. With Mark Hamill, who was in the car accident, and they uh, they wrote it into the script. We should have done that with your interview with Exodus. That Exodus thing was cool, man. In the video came out great. Thanks to Jay Bones, the video dude for Talking Metal. He is amazing. And uh, you know, what I was thinking, Mark, we have like all these new segments that he did. We had to kind of compile them into. I mean, they're up on YouTube, but maybe we should make a DVD or something like that. We could. That's a good idea. I'm sorry. We are just free form today. Speaking of skateboarding, you know what I thought? We should make Talking Metal skateboard decks, like a deck with the Talking Metal logo on the bottom. That's good, man. Yeah, we got to do T-shirts and sweatshirts. We're talking about all this stuff. Hopefully one day it'll all come 
come to be. There has been a lack of Talking Metal content out there on iTunes and on TalkingMetal.com. We apologize for that. If you're looking for more of Mark and John, please subscribe to the Talking Rock podcast. You can do that through iTunes. Uh, formerly known as Alien Rock is now Talking Rock. And we have been putting up some new episodes of that. Uh, there is one brand new one up. So check that out, and there will be another one up real soon. Talking Rock, where we still talk about a lot of hard rock, but also talk about alternative, punk, you know, all all forms of music on Talking Rock. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really cool, guys, because, I mean, we want to keep Talking Metal truly about metal, but we also like other bands and other styles of music, everything from punk to alternative to just some plain old rock and roll and that's what you're going to hear on talking rock and uh, mark thanks for putting those episodes together and i just put one up online today cool let's check out an interview we conducted with the great billy sheehan yeah man this was one of my favorite interviews that we've done man billy is such a historical figure it, to me in, in metal i remember him from the talus days to when he joined david lee roth's band and, of course, his solo material has always been the kind of music that features some of the most proficient musicianship that you'll hear, not only in metal, but in basically all styles of music. And I really found out some really cool stuff, despite the fact that he's considered and is one of the all-time greatest bass players. He's not like a like a music-reading type of a bass player. He basically does it by ear. Yeah, a great player and been a fan of his for a long time. Let's uh, check out a little David Lee Roth song written by Billy. This is Shy Boy, and then we'll get right into the interview. Phone call. Phone call. That means one thing. Legendary bass player, Billy Sheehan's on the line. Hey, Billy, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Great, man. It's an honor to have you on the show, and I've been a fan of yours for, for so many years, back to the Talus days, and man, thank you for coming on Talking Metal. Oh, my pleasure, man. It's very cool to have me on here. Right thank now. you. Yeah, Billy. Hey, Mark Striegel here. Uh, again, just a, a longtime fan, and we are very excited for the new record. So let's start off talking about what you're up to now. Holy Cow is out. 
It is up on iTunes where you can download each track for 99 cents or just get the whole thing, which I recommend because there's so many great people involved in this record. Let's start off by talking about some of the special guests. Well, right on. Yeah, I was very lucky to get some uh, great guys to join me on Holy Cow. I played bass. Uh, most all the baritone guitarists wrote and sang everything, but uh, the, to really add some frosting to the cake, uh my dear friend from Mr. Big, Paul Gilbert, came and yes. played two devastating solos on a song called Dynamic Exhilarator, and uh, right over the top, too. The first one is blazing, and the second one somehow beats it, and it's uh, pretty amazing. Paul was, uh, uh, it was so amazing to watch Paul through the years evolve as such an incredible player from the very first time I met him back in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Very cool. And then... Uh, uh, on drums, I, I got to go without. Uh, to I can't uh, leave out Ray. He's just an amazing, up and coming, incredible drummer. He's out on the Corn tour now, playing drums for Corns. Played with oh, Army cool. of Anyone, Stone Temple Pilots. He also played for my old boss, David Lee Roth. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Ray's a great drummer. I'm personally a drummer, and and we saw him with Army of Anyone. And I've been a fan of all the stuff that he's been doing because he's he's one of these proficient drummers that. You know, one of the many that you've played with, and uh, basically, I'm psyched to uh, to talk about both drummers and bass players who are really concerned with being proficient at their instruments, like you guys. Well, right on, yeah. Ray, uh, he's got all the basics in so solidly, but then he adds this extra thing, this extra, like every drummer that uh, gets up to a certain point, they've got this extra thing that's kind of intangible. It's their their trademark, and Ray certainly has his really great. Um, then uh, Doug Pennick. I love him. King's X came and sang Turning Point. It's one of the songs on the record. And uh, I love King's X so much. And they should be bigger than you two. That they're not bigger than you two is uh, some, some, somebody's going to have to, to answer, answer that crime in the, <laughs> in, the, in the court of the universe at some point way down a couple centuries from now. But I don't know how that happened. But uh, Doug is awesome. King's X is incredible. And he sings uh, Turning Point just so great. Then... Uh, I gotta say the best for last. Uh, my total hero and genius icon of the ages, Mr. Billy Gibbons. Unbelievable. From no ZZ doubt. Top. I, unreal. As a matter of fact, that's um. I had the idea of the for the album being named Holy Cow, and uh, I wasn't exactly sure yet. And until I called somebody, a friend of mine, and said, "Hey, you'll never guess who I got to play on the record." He goes, "Who?" And I said. Billy Gibbons, and he goes, holy cow. Said, okay, that's it. We got that's the title. <laughs> now, now, Billy wasn't somebody that you knew, like I know Paul Gilbert and, and Tony McAlpine, who was on the record. Yeah, I mean, you've known those guys for a long, long time, but Billy is, is not, I'm guessing, is not somebody who is in your circle. So, Well, uh, surprisingly, he's uh, he's got a place here in L.A., and I see him around a lot. We've hung a bunch of times. Oh, cool. Okay. I, haven't, uh, I jammed with him. Uh, we, he, he did a G3 show years ago, and for soundcheck, it was just me, Billy, and a drummer sound checking. Wow. So I got to jam with him there. And then he came up and he played LaGrange and I sang it. So oh, sweet. That is a weird singing LaGrange with Billy Gibbons <laughs> on the stage. Hey, Billy, <laughs> I got to tell you this. You'll laugh at this. Um, I ran into Billy in Las Vegas at a VH1 show called Rock Honors where ZZ Top was being honored. And I, I wound up finding his guitar on the luggage rack. He actually checked a uh, Fender Telecaster and uh, I was carrying it for him and he gave me his business card. And instead of saying Billy Gibbons, you know, guitarist, it said Billy Gibbons. Friend, friend of, of Eric Clapton. Clapton. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got that same card. I love yeah, it. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's so cool. And, and he's a, such a selfless, humble man, and he is such an an absolute master of his craft. 
And I recommend everybody, if you're if you're thinking ZZ Top might not be metal enough for you, get the Rhythmine album. I love that okay. record. I have that album, man. Oh, what an incredible piece. Is of that music. the album with the song Fix a Flat? No, that might be Triple X. Okay, that's the Triple X. One. Right, right, right. That's also pretty darn heavy, but Rhythmine has got... Uh, Black Fly, a hairdresser, uh, just a great, great record. And, Very cool. Uh, really awesome. So, yeah, he came and he played uh, guitar on uh, a little bit of Dootsie every time. Uh, one track that I had that was uh, certainly inspired by the Rhythmine album. And if you Very listen cool. to it uh, in, in adjacent to Rhythmine, you'll see why, because it's just so heavy and it's... Uh, that record is so great, so I tried to uh, do my best to pay it, uh, uh, homage to it with a uh, little bit of do it to you every time Billy came and laid the solo down. And from the first note he plays, I, I know people I played the record for who didn't know who was on the record, and they right away they look at me go, is that Billy Gibbons? That's <laughs> cool. Yeah, you can't mistake his sound, his tone. <laughs> even even the attack of the notes, I think, is unmistakable with Billy Gibbons. Yeah, when he set his pick down, when he was done, he set it down on a little table I had my hard drives on. And I wouldn't let anybody touch it for about three months. It sat there with a, <laughs> a little post-it note with an arrow that said, do not touch, you know. That's classic. <laughs> Stayed right there. But I had a, it's funny because he played, he brought a guitar of his own, but it wasn't quite set up right. So I had a $100 Chinese Fender Squire Strat. You get a guitar center for 100 bucks. Somebody got it for me for Christmas for, as a joke. And I took the factory strings and tuned them down to baritone. So they're just flopping wow. around on the thing. And uh, he did the solo on that guitar. I see. That's what I wow. think is so cool that you don't. If you if you're a great player, you could do it on a Sears drum kit or a you know a guitar from China for a hundred bucks. <laughs> you could do it if you're a great musician, and that's what I think is so cool. That's right on. Another great player on the record, Tony McAlpine. Yeah, actually, he's not on the record per se. Uh, the track he did, we're going to have as a download bonus track thingy. Oh, okay. cool. And that okay, was the cool. Bach piece, right? Yeah, there's a Bach piece from the Brandenburg Concertos that I adapted for bass. And uh, Tony is a—he's a real classical pianist. Like a lot of guys can like fool around do a little classical thing, but he actually started, you know, five years old playing Liszt and Rachmaninoff and wow. all this stuff. So he really knows his stuff. We were on tour one time. He, we were in the lobby of a hotel in Italy, and there's a beautiful grand piano in the center. And we just come off the bus and we're all raggedy. And one of the guys in the lobby sees him walking towards the piano. He's just about to call security. Tony sits down. Tore the roof off the place. Wow, unbelievable. cool! And you kind of helped put Tony on the map. I mean, you were on his Edge of Insanity album back in '86, was which was one of the reasons I actually picked up the album because your playing was on it. Oh, cool! That's one of my favorite records I've ever played on back at the back in the day. It was uh, every song sounded like a, a movie chase scene, you know, it's a, you know, or a TV theme song for some incredible movie or. It, 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 real visual kind of uh, sounds to it. And Tony was uh, just incredible then, and uh, I didn't get a chance to play with him until way later when uh, he joined up with Steve Vai while I was with Steve, and we played together for a long time. Cool. Cool. And, then, and there's just so many great musicians you've played with. Uh, Nine Short Films is a record that yeah. came out about uh, 2002, I think. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how you got involved with Terry and... Yeah, I wanted to do a bass and drum record. Just, you know, the bass and drum and like the hip-hop R&B sense is kind of a, you know, that's a whole genre. But I thought, I wanted to do bass and drum, but like we play it, you know. And so uh, uh, Terry Bozio was a friend of a friend, and we'd been, we communicated through people. So we got together. We went in the studio with nothing. We had nothing. And we just said, let's just think it up and and make it happen. So in about three days, we came up between his playing and me working off him and my playing and him working off me. We wrote and recorded this record. Then he uh, 
he did all this poetry and spoken word on top of it, which again evokes a uh, real cinematic kind of a motif to the thing. So, hence the name Nine Short Films. And it sounds, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the dialogue to nine movies that you might uh, happen to see late at night on HBO. Certainly, they wouldn't run them prime time. <laughs> I love it. And I, some other musicians that I wanted to talk about were people that people may not necessarily, you know, definitely won't consider a metal musicians. But I am impressed, and I just think it's cool that you play with people like Dennis Chambers and oh, John okay. Novello, and yeah. and people, you know, Dennis, of course, in Santana, and you know, people that can play jazz and fusion and all that kind of stuff. So t- yeah, tell Dennis us a little bit about a, that project. Dennis, uh, that's a nice and uh, Dennis Chambers on drums, uh, John Novello and Hammond B3. And uh, most prog rock is based on, like, classical music. Well, we wanted to do something like that, only base it on blues and, and funkified stuff. Make it progressive and make it heavy and driving, but have it more based on a blues idea than the you know, hoity-toity, highbrow uh, classical music. So Dennis came came uh, to the table with his spectacular talents. And uh, of all the musicians I've played with, and I'm lucky and thankful to have played with so many great players, Dennis is the best musician I know on any instrument. Wow. And he can sit down, and we jam and soundcheck to all this Zeppelin and Grand Funk and all this heavy funkified stuff, and he kills it. When he plays heavy and loud, he's unreal. He really is a complete master of the drum kit, and uh, his time and his sense are just uh, uh, the greatest. Uh, there's about three or four of the top drummers in the in the world, you know, uh, uh, Steve Gadd, Vinnie Caliuta, Dennis is in there, a few other guys. And all of the other guys always say Dennis is their favorite whenever you start to narrow it down to three or four. Right. But he, Even the guys that are that good will say, hey, my favorite's Dennis. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them do. It's it's true. Now, Billy, I wanted to talk about that. I mean, I, I actually met Mark at Berkeley College of Music, and I studied music my whole life. And uh, Now, how did you... You know, learn to play. What was? What were your early influences? Did you take lessons? Like, what? Tell us no, about I just, that. Uh, just got in a band and started. And wow. uh, bass is the easiest instrument in the world to start on. And some bass players get a little miffed when I say that. Uh, but in fact, basically, you just need one finger on your right hand, one finger on your left hand. Put your finger on the right note on the left and pluck it with the right. And that's. I don't mean to sound stupidly simple, but that's basically it. And if you play that note when the bass drum hits, when the drummer hits the bass drum, you're halfway there. So it's actually a real easy instrument to start on. So it's just get up in a band and start playing songs on bass, especially simple basic rock songs. Just about anybody could do it. Now, having said that, moving it up to another level, actually bass, in my humble opinion, I think is a little bit harder than a lot of other instruments because it's physically way more demanding, these big, giant, thick strings and, right. you know, big, longer reaches and a much more uh, physical instrument than guitar. Uh, so, you know, to move on from that. But I just basically got in bands, started playing. We played a million songs. We played gig after gig after gig with three or four sets a night. We did we did 21 nights in a row one time, different place each night. Wow. We, did, we did three full shows in one day one time, morning, uh, evening, and, and at night. And uh, so the, all those years of playing, just uh, by necessity, I had to figure out what was going on. So I can't read music. I don't know theory. I don't know any of that stuff. Um, if I do need to know something like that, I'll call Tony McAlpine or Steve Vai or somebody. Says, what what chord is this? <laughs> it's a C augmented eleven demented cemented chord or something. But because uh, I I really don't know. I'm just an ear player. So when I got that's the only problem is when I have to figure out the complicated stuff like from Niasen or from Steve Vai or something like that. I have to do it all by ear, and I can do it. It takes me a while sometimes, but I do eventually get to it all. 
But wow. uh, self-taught, basically just by playing in bands, playing a million songs. And that was, and, and, and here we are. Yeah, wow. Now, you mentioned Paul Gilbert earlier is on the Holy Cow record. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you if that's how this uh, Mr. Big reunion tour that is uh, happening kind of came about through uh, getting in contact with Paul. Or, or had you been in contact with him all along? Well, I had been in contact, and we jammed a few times here and there. But we never really talked much about the Mr. Big thing. You know, I knew he, you know, he left, and that was, you know, that was that. And none of us ever thought the band would ever get together again. You know, we never, we just thought, you know, let's leave well enough alone. It was a great time, blah blah blah. So, I got together with Paul, went over to his house. He laid the solos down. We had a riot. We had a great time. So uh, it just so happened he was playing not a couple months later at the House of Blues with his band, with having Richie Kotzen open up, and Pat Torpy, the drummer of Mr. Big, was playing with Richie Kotzen. It's a little tough to follow here. I'll try and make it easy. So sure enough, Paul called me and said, do you want to get together and play a couple of Mr. Big songs uh, for an encore? I said, sure, yeah, why not? So I went to rehearsal. We we went over, quickly went over Daddy Brother and then had Richie sing uh, 30 Days in the Hole. Sure enough, the the show ended, and the rumor must have gotten out because people were going crazy. I got up, and Pat got up with Paul, and they went nuts. And we did a couple songs, and the, and the crowd just went berserk. And we'd noticed our level of email and the volume of the emotion in the email was getting more and more and more. More emails and more uh, intense for people asking us to play together again. So after the show, we said, well, gee, the only thing that would have made it a perfect night is if Eric would have been here. So a couple of emails went back and forth. We decided to get together, have a dinner, and talk and see how, how we all feel about it. So no one dangled cash in front of us. No one from outside of the band came in and said, I'm going to put your guys back together and put you on a tour bus and so you'll all hate each other in another year. You know, so we just, it came from us. It came because we wanted to play together again. And uh, sure enough, uh, Japan was the first to uh, come and offer some shows, and uh, now they're entertaining uh uh, shows everywhere else. Uh, all the all the wheels are in motion to play all over the place, and uh, cool. That's pretty much how it happened. So, we, I, you might not be able to reveal this yet, but there's a, a good possibility we may be seeing Mr. Big here in the states. Absolutely, awesome. Yeah, awesome. I, we just don't have any solid dates yet. We might be a little too late to do any big summer tours this year, right. but but I don't know. I, I, it's not been completely ruled out because most of the summer tours are booked, you know, in the preceding fall. So we'll see what happens with that. We're doing Japan. I know they're talking about Korea, Indonesia, Europe, uh, UK, Italy, possible India. That's going to be right. Very cool. Right. <laughs> because my inbox looks like the United Nations. <laughs> We're going to get an email it. from uh, Sri Lanka and uh, uh, Iraq. Really? It's uh, so unbelievable. So, so uh, you know, we were very lucky to have a lot of success around the world. So and a lot of people have expressed great joy that we're together again so we couldn't be more thankful about that and we're going to go and try to play everywhere on planet earth so that's that's our plan cool cool now in addition to those dates right before that you got some clinics coming up right i know one at musicians institute and then there's something at sam ash i think i didn't see the sam ash one it might be there you know i thought i saw that one yeah i do an mi uh clinic at at hollywood thursday at six o'clock and it's free and open to the public which is really cool because most of the Musicians Institute clinics are just for the students. So this is open to the public. Okay. So when I do a clinic, I do some bass plan and talk and we answer a lot of questions. I show anything I can show, anything I can answer about the music biz, making a record, record deals, being on tour, anything related at my 40 plus years of, uh, of uh, hard-won experience, <laughs> if I can be of any help. 
to my fellow musicians. That's what I'm there for. And then in the end, take photos and sign stuff and just uh, just do a big long hang. It's always great and it's free and open to the public. So I really appreciate musicians since doing this because uh, you know I think they're, they're certainly providing a service to the community by having a lot of players in and trying to help all the locals. You know that's what we're here for. Definitely. Billy, I also wanted to ask you about Yamaha instruments, and I know that you've been a longtime Yamaha player, like like for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Just tell me, you've you know, tell me why you like Yamahas because I, I know they're great, great instruments. Yeah, well, the quality control. I mean, years ago, I used to say to people, just open up your VCR and look inside, and just to give you an idea of the quality control you get coming out of Japan. You know, now, of course, now it's all made in China, but that's another story. <laughs> in the early, but all my bases actually are made in Japan, and. Uh, uh, and some now are made in Indonesia. And I actually went to the factory in Indonesia to, to check it out. Oh, wow, cool! That, that was pretty cool. Amazing. You could you could eat a meal off the floor. It's so clean. It's just, wow. it's just like a it's like a science lab. It's amazing. But Yamaha came to me early on at a time when Fender was almost out of business, and I played Fender basses for my whole life. But then when they came to me, I said, "Well, I would like to make a bass, but one of the criteria for making a bass is the bass I play has got to be exactly like the ones that are in the shop." So oh, that's some, cool. some guys do a deal with a company and they make the, they get all the custom instruments. Then when a the kid goes to buy the, the Joe Blow model in the store, he gets uh, the cardboard version. Right. Where the ones I play come out of the same box, same factory, same thing as, as the ones in the store. So that, that gives credit to the quality control and integrity of the company. And we just made a, basically it's very P-base-ish. But we, we improved on a few things, in my humble opinion, or uh, altered a few things. It's hard to improve a P-Base. And it just makes it a little bit more utilitarian in this day and age. Dual output, two-amp setup you can use with it if you like. And it's just a rock-solid uh, tool, hunk of wood. You know, I've thrown it around and beaten it around. and uh, It's large, too. It's a big base. It's a big like base. Like the body's big, yeah. Big, big, thick neck and a giant manly thing. But uh, I know a young lady who is a bodybuilder in Florida. Her name is Fawn... I forgot her last name. But anyway, uh, or maybe Crystal Fawn, I'm not sure. Anyway, she's a, uh, you can try Googling we'll look her. it up, yeah. <laughs> she's a beautiful girl with uh, tons of muscles. She could kick my ass for sure, uh, no doubt about it. But she plays one of my basses, and I'll tell you, it never looked better hanging on. It looks a lot better hanging on her than I me. that's for sure. <laughs> but it's that's a rock-solid instrument, and uh, I get email from kids all over the world that have them, and they, and they like them, and they, uh, they, they, they serve a musician well. Very cool. cool. Now, uh, Speaking of reunions, talking about Mr. Big and stuff, was there ever an attempt by David Lee Roth to put back together the Eat em and Smile lineup? Actually, that's how I started playing with Steve again. Uh, a few years ago, when Steve and I started playing together again, I was out in Hollywood on the weekend, ran into Dave. We hung out at this club. We were drinking and hanging, drinking and hanging. Sure enough, the club closed. They let us stay. And the, everyone else was gone. It was just us at the table. We were talking. And I finally said, you know, well, what, do you, what do you think? And I said, yeah. I said, well, there are a couple of conditions. Well, first of all, we've got to talk about it Monday when we're both sober. And second of all, it's got to be the same guy. It's got to be me, Steve, you, and Greg. So I said, okay. So Monday he made the calls. Unfortunately, Steve was already booked. He'd already booked the G3 tour. Oh, okay. So he couldn't do it. So, uh, you know, things went on from there. So because Steve found out I was free, he called me and said, you know, I'm doing this G3 thing. You want to play bass? I said, sure, why not? I got the summer free. So that's how Steve and I started playing together again. And Yeah, we actually did talk about it at one point. Mm. You know, who knows if that would happen. I'd love to do it. I love Dave. He's still my hero. I still think he's awesome. I still love his voice. And uh, I think it would be, uh, you know, maybe do like 10 or 20 shows uh uh, across the country, or who knows where, or we'll do whatever. You know, I'm sure it would be a blast. Yeah, oh, it would be. The, one one of my favorite concert moments was seeing you guys uh, on that tour at uh, 
the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago. Right, right. They, I remember they it well. had the uh, the Bears jersey on, and uh, yeah. the place just went nuts, sold out. You know, crazy. Fantastic. Yeah, we uh, we had such a blast on that tour. I, I tell you, every about every two or three days, I get at least one or more emails talking about the Eat 'Em and Smile days. You know, I just people still remember that. That's pretty cool. And I've been recently, I, arch- I archived all of my cassettes. I had about three. Wow, four. that's that's a huge project. A huge project. I had two double cassette decks, four cassette players into you know eight stereo out. I hit all four at once and recorded into an eight channel recorder and uh, digitally. And I found all of the early Eat 'Em and Smile demos and work tapes and rehearsal tapes, and I got them all in my archives now. I don't know if I legally can put any of that stuff out, but who knows? Wink, wink. Who knows if it might sneak out some some right. way? Someday. <laughs> but I I've got all, all that stuff early. The skyscraper uh, demos, all that stuff we did. Uh, I've got it all in my archives now. So who knows where where we'll see the light of day. Cool. Well, I got a text message from Bumblefoot earlier today, and he Great. says hello, by the oh, way. Oh, he is so awesome. We jammed a bunch of times. Me, Ray Legere. The four dudes, right? Yeah, he is so – he knows. you know what's great about him is he knows a million songs. Yeah, and I think he knows it, every tune ever. <laughs> that's great. And so when you're jamming and hanging well, – and it also is a, is a player that does something to your ear because when you, when you jam or when you write with a group and somebody plays something, you've got to know where to go right away. So if you know a million songs, you kind of already got a huge vocabulary of ideas. And yeah, he, I would really like him. He gave me his CDs. I loaded them into my iTunes and some great stuff on there. Really cool. Great player. I hope we can uh, play together again in some more extended fashion. Cool. Absolutely. Well, Billy, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal. We'd love to get an ID from you saying who you are, uh, saying who you are and what you're listening to. All right. <clears throat> Tell me when you're ready. We are ready. Hello, everyone. This is Billy Sheehan, your faithful bass player. You're listening to me right here on Talking Metal. Cool. And pick up Billy's new album, Holy Cow. This is Turning Point. Great. With Doug from King's X and Billy. Thanks, bro. Thanks, Billy. Okay, man. I carried this upon my shoulder Then let nature take its course Yeah, it takes its precious time With no reason to forgive Forgive what I forget Shadows pass and lift that light I find the time has come to give I fly across the universe While shadows leap from my TV The truth is brave and it hardly hurts To finally know what this all means Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, oh. 
Turning Point by the great Billy Sheehan off the new record. Once again, one of the best interviews that we've done. Uh, one of the nicest guys and one of the historic figures in, in hard rock and metal, without a doubt. We got Elena from Spider Rocket coming up. Is it Spider Rockets or Rocket? Rocket, right? Singular. I'm pretty sure it's Rockets with an S. Spider Rockets, yeah. Yeah, that sounds more like it. Great new band. John turned me on to these guys. I think they're pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. And they played a gig last night. And, Helena, I am sorry that I didn't get the message um, until later. And I was planning on going to this gig. And, like, literally, having not slept in, like, about five days has played some tricks on my brain. And I completely spaced out on anything other than MTV Networks, USA Network, and Gibson Guitars for this week. So uh, I apologize to everybody, but we're psyched that Helena came on Talking Metal, and and we want to bring this interview to you. We want to introduce all of you guys to this great new band called Spider Rockets. So let's check out the interview here on Talking Metal. Remember to follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Talking Metal. And, of course, you have the uh, the YouTube page, which we mentioned earlier. So... Keep in touch, send us an email, and we'll end today's show with Kiss You Dead by the Spider Rockets. Helena will be coming up in a minute. We have Helena from the Spider Rockets. They are a band out of New Jersey, our home state, the home state of Talking Metal. Helena, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, now we can. Sorry, we had a little technical difficulties earlier on. (laughs) Hey, Helena, is your radio up? No. Or your computer speakers up? No, nothing. Okay. So I think we're good now because we heard a little static. I think it was on our end. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I wanted to thank you for that personalized postcard that you sent me and the poster and the CD. It was killer. 
I'm glad you liked it, man. That's I, cool. I loved it. So I wanted to tell everybody that you guys have a brand new release out. Uh, it's self-titled release, and you guys recorded it at a place called Tracks East with Eric Rachel in New Jersey. Tell us about that. Uh, it was pretty. I mean, it was pretty awesome. It was the first time recording with Eric, and um, he's done some like a lot of stuff before. So it just he 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 just was uh, you know just a pleasure to work with. Um, he, I guess, we the whole process was it just, we spent a lot of time writing last year, and then we kind of brought everything to him, and he gave a couple of suggestions here and there, and and um, we bounced things back and forth and changed things up a bit, you know, um, from songs and stuff. And then he just kept on, you know, like when we were in the studio, he just, he was unrelenting, which is good, you know? <laughs> I think it's very cool. Hang on. That's actually not the, the CD, Mark. Mark was, <laughs> I, I have your CD, Helena, by the way. This is some off-air stuff. I have the CD in my computer because I was actually checking out, and Mark wanted to put it into his, and so I'm now going to give him that so he can do it instead of a DVD of some unknown thing that I happen to have in the case. <laughs> anyway, never mind. We don't want to know what's on that DVD, but let me tell you, Helena, I wanted to talk to you because I know <laughs> that, that you said you spent more time on writing and rewriting and actually cutting songs that you originally brought in and in the past you guys did it a little bit differently and was this something that happened because of Eric or was this kind of a mutual decision by you guys and Eric you know I think we were just trying to like up the ante this time we really you know we um before we had done everything on two inch tape you know wow so it was just it was um it was the process was like really different and I think we just wanted to just kind of like nail everything and just kind of like really make sure that everything was as strong as it needed to be going in um first of all and then like each piece as it as it got layered in there and stuff it was just like it, the quality was there you know so we just we really made a conscious decision to kind of like just you know really just hone in on everything really carefully and stuff and i think I, man i think it's just it's like a process you go through it's like um I don't know about other bands and stuff, um, but I, I know about us. It's just like we learn as we go along and stuff, and as as, as we're, you know, we we just kind of like learn from the previous experience. We go, okay, right, let's do it this way this time, and this will be better for us this time. And, and regarding songs, let's you know, like just write a ton of them, and then just pick out the best or pick out the ones that just make sense for this uh, this album, you know. Well, I absolutely uh, understand, and what I wanted to do is. Can I give you a couple of titles, tell you what I think of them, and then get your opinion on them? Fire away, man. Okay. First song, Kiss You Dead, I think is just a great title. And what I think is cool about the band is that although you guys are heavy, some of your choruses are very, like, catchy. They sound like anthems, and this is definitely one of them. I think it has a great chorus. Tell me about that song. Well, I think what's cool about um, about Kiss You Dead, the chorus is really, like, it's a very sing-alongy chorus. Um, and it's just, it's like, that kind of idea of it is, like, it's a love-hate thing going on. And from, from you know, going from our influences and stuff, like, um, especially, like, we're a riff-oriented band. You know, it comes from, like, the guitar riffs, the bass riffs and stuff. That's where we start writing from. And, um, you know, it's like, you like, the Van Halen, the, um, you know, the Kiss, influences and stuff you know i mean th these are bands that just have like awesome anthems and stuff and um and i think it just kind of leaks through a little bit to what we do because it's you know it's, we're 
you know, some of our roots come from, you know. I, I love both of those bands, and I'm, I'm excited to hear a new band like you guys, you know, somebody I consider a young group, to mention bands like Van Halen and Kiss. Okay, I want to go to another song, Let It Go. I really thought the Middle Eastern scales in the song were very, very cool. How did that come about? It, you know, it was really, um, it was kind of neat. It was uh, Bones, our bass player, was started uh, goofing off at the beginning of practice. I was like, Bones, man, what are you playing? Let's you know, let's go with that. And, and, and he was doing something that kind of, we got feel going on. And, um, so we just kind of based it off, it was based off of a bass riff, you know? Cool. Uh, and then, you know, it, like, um, from what Bones was doing, John, like, kind of, like, like uh, went in and out with the guitar riff and stuff, and we just kind of, like, piled up on top. And, um, yeah, it, it, that's one of my favorites. So uh, it's, you know... It's it's a great great track. I got one more, and then I have a couple other questions. Uh, different subject. Okay, antihero. What I think is amazing is that you have Hammond organ in this tune, and I started playing music on a Hammond organ. So I wanted to ask, how did that get in? And then I know the song is about addiction. Is that something that the band experienced, or where does that come from? So two questions on antihero. Um, well, we started with antihero. Um, all right. The first thing is the Hammond organ. That was Eric's idea. He had a friend who played Hammond, and he's like, um, and he said, "Hey, you know, I think that this would be awesome in this song." And I was like, "Okay, man, you know, if you feel strongly about it, let's try it out, see how it goes." You know, so um, and we really, we really liked, you know, what we heard. After you know, we were like, "Okay, this is this is great. It adds this cool dimension to it." Yeah, I was going to say, it's exactly that. It adds a whole nother layer to the song that, you know, you might not think that you're going to hear in a metal track. Yeah, and I think it's it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, um, it's interesting. It's, it's like, it makes it interesting. And that's, you know, it isn't the typical thing that you would hear in, in some songs or whatever that you would expect to find in it. And that's what makes it really kind of unique and kind of interesting. Um, the addiction thing. Um, it started out as a song about like um, about war, and um, we like I, it's I don't know like maybe for some people like writing about something um, that you haven't really experienced per se like like up close and in the in the thick of battle or something is is easy to do. I, I found it really hard to do, um, so we went to I went to something that was a little easier for me, and that was the Dixon. And that, and, and just kind of, uh, without getting into too many details or anything, that uh, just kind of brought it to a dark place, too. It was just kind of, um, that just um, rang true, a little bit truer than writing about a first-hand experience from war. Right. Well, hey, all, all three of those tunes are great. The whole album is great. Now, I wanted to ask you guys, because you're, you're from New Jersey. Mark and I live in New Jersey. Bud Friendly lives in New Jersey. Uh, and... Now, I know you guys have played on both coasts. Tell me basically how you guys got together, and, like, are you guys currently, like, you know, doing gigs all across the country? How does that work? Well, we, um, we, we got, I guess we got together about three years ago. Um, it, we had been, the Spider Rockets had been around for a while beforehand, but it, in the last three years, I'd say, um, is when things really kind of came together for us, and that's when, you know, um, Every everybody who's currently in the band is is, um, is part of it. Just the magic, is magic. I guess like the spark, the um, kind of the energy was right. right. That was like the exact proper lineup for the Spider Rockets. Yeah, it just was. It just it just everything fit. Everybody wanted the same thing, and um, 
it was just it was it wasn't fighting inner fighting and it wasn't you know people wanting different things and and it just worked and that started coming together for us and um we've done uh i guess what we're planning to do with this city is we want to we want to tour nationally again and um we've played i guess all over the country and we want to do that with this city as well um and you know, hopefully, bring it internationally as well because I, we've played in Europe as well, and, and it's been a while since we've been there, so it would be really cool to head back. I think it's very impressive that like you guys got this lineup together three years ago. Um, you've already done multiple recordings, and uh, I mean, the, for everybody who's going to download this, you know, legally on May nineteenth when it's released on iTunes and Rhapsody and all those other places, that's cool. But if you can get a hold of the actual CD and the packaging, it's really, really nice, guys. Uh, definitely, I want you guys to all check that out. And I wanted to mention that I see that my friend Mark Weiss uh, was actually a photographer on the album. Mark is such an amazing man. He's <laughs> that great. That guy, he's like just incredibly talented behind that camera, but a super nice guy too. Just like so, it, uh, the artwork is really based on the photography. Um, it's great. And um, and then Ioannis took the artwork from Mark. I mean, from the, the photos to Mark, and then just kind of like created this whole vibe. And it's just kind of like a dark kind of. It, it's. I'll take it on the Jersey store, believe it or not. I'm not going to tell you which beach because we might get in trouble. <laughs> okay. I, I know what you're talking about. I understand yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But uh, so, so basically that's what it was. And our, I guess our plan is, um, you know, the digital release first and then we'll, you know, one, one step at a time, you know, going forward and stuff. So, but we do love the, um, the artwork on the cover and stuff. And it's just, it's like it turned out to be what we wanted it to be, which is really awesome. Very cool. Now, there's also something on your website where you can download, and for all you uh, people in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, you can download, I think, a discounted ticket to your next gig at the Cherrywood? Yeah, we um, we hooked up with this promoter down there, and he, he seems to be like a really good guy. And, um, and it's a smaller venue, but we were like, you know, um, let's just, let's just rock the place out. You know, let's rip the roof off of the place. Let's just turn into a, you know, a great rock and roll party. So we wanted to make something that would kind of um, be an incentive for people to kind of, you know, maybe go to a place that they haven't gone before and haven't checked out before. And, uh, and I think that this, you know, it was kind of a cool way to do it. So <laughs> Very cool. now where is Clementon, New Jersey? I, I live in Jersey city. Where is that in relation to where I live? Cause I'll definitely try to come down for the show. You know, I think it's about, it's actually about half an hour out of Philly. Oh, okay. So it's down that way. Um, it's uh, it's kind of, I'm, I'm trying to think of like um, what other big towns, but it's really, it's, just, it's like basically about 30 minutes out of Philly. Very cool. There's a, a Sam Ash down about 30 minutes out of Philly, uh, and I can't remember what town, Cherry Hill, is that anywhere near near Cherry Hill? You know what? It could be, man. I mean, I think I think it's like in that vicinity. You know, it's it's in that whole kind of um, South Jersey headed towards Philly area. Well, that's even cooler, yeah, because not only can our Talking Metal listeners in New Jersey and New York head down there, but anybody in PA, and if you're down close to Philly, if you're in Delaware, you can definitely make it to this gig. So if you guys want to take a road trip... Definitely head up to the Cherrywood in Clementon, New Jersey on May 8th, but don't forget to go to the Spider Rockets website to download that. Uh, 
discounted ticket and check you guys out. Now, we want to, before we, we go, we definitely want to play one of your tunes uh, to take us out of the interview. And uh, just want to ask you, you know, give us your website, MySpace page, Twitter, anything you got, and anything you want to say to the Talking Metal listeners worldwide. Well, uh, website is spiderrockets.com. MySpace is myspace.com uh, slash spiderrockets. Um, we're Twitter. We're uh, getting used to Twitter now. So um, Me too. Me too. Mark's a Twitter expert, but I'm getting used to it now. <laughs> we're not We're not an expert. We're not even close to expert, but we're getting into it. So we're like, uh, we're kind of messing around with Twitter now. So if you guys tw- tweet us or whatever, we're... We're psyched at answering back. So <laughs> well, I'll try it. I'll try it. I'm, we're, we're on the same level, me and you, so we'll try it. <laughs> it's new stuff out there. We're, like, messing around with it, and hopefully we don't blow up the computer, man. <laughs> Definitely. No doubt. And about, I guess, uh, about the new CD, we're, we're excited as hell about it. We're so psyched that you guys decided to, like, uh, you know, interview us about this. It's, it's just, hey, we're psyched that you're coming on our show, and I'm psyched that I got a cool package from you guys, and you know that, like I said, included a poster and a handwritten postcard. So I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, you know, but it, it, it it's like you guys have an incredible lineup tonight, and we're like open up the lineup, and I'm just like these are you know people that that we've admired tremendously, like um, and our our metal gods per se. So. Man, thank you so much, and, you know, come out to the show, and we, we're really psyched to actually meet you in person. That would be awesome. Thank you, Helena. So, Mark has a tune queued up. Why don't you intro it? Hey, everybody. How you doing? This is Helena from Spider Rocket. You are listening to Talking Metal, and this is Kiss You Dead. Kiss You Dead. 